0: Welcome to Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Every week, we interview founders, marketers, and researchers from innovative brands to learn how they're approaching their role and their category in a clever way. Welcome back to this week's episode of Dig In. I'm joined today, again, very excitedly by Ed, the Category and Business Insights Manager at Olipop. We're going to chat a little bit about their omni-channel distribution strategy today, a few other bits and pieces. Ed, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Megan. Thanks for having me back on. I love doing podcasts with you.
0: (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yeah. your, Your previous episode was kind of one of our listeners' favorites. We see a lot of people coming back to listen to it. So, you know, clearly you've got some interesting things to say, which is cool. Um, what's been going on at Olipop since we last chatted?
1: Oh man. Yeah. Where do I, uh, where do I begin? It was probably what we talked in like the beginning of August last year. So seven or eight months ago at this point, um, since then, we actually raised a series B, um, of around $30 million on a post valuation of 200 million. Um, so that was a really exciting process just to, you know, kind of take part in and, uh, that went public in January. Um, so that was some really exciting news that's happened, uh, since the last time. That's pretty Um, strange. yeah, so <laughs> okay. some, some pretty big news for a startup. Um, but since, since we last talked, we, we also doubled our store count. We're in nearly 12,000 doors now. Um, and what's in, interesting about that is our, I know one thing I talked about on the last episode, uh, was rate of sale. And so usually when you gain that many doors, when you add another 6,000 doors or so your rate of sale or your velocity metric, it takes a while for it to kind of level out. You usually see a, a, decline in velocity. Um, we've actually still seen an increase in velocity. And, uh, from last month to this month, it was about a 6% increase in our rate of sale uh, despite all the, all the doors gaining. So really good news for us as we're kind of making more mainstream and, and going into some more conventional retailers. Um, on the last episode, I also just, you know, had some fun facts for you. So I figured I'd start off with a couple of fun facts as well. Um, in the last year, Olipop, uh, you know, we kind of created a digestive health set that's kombucha, you know, fermented beverages, functional soda. Um, Olipop alone in the last 52 weeks has actually added more dollars to the category than kombucha and fermented beverages combined, um, mm-hmm. really making up a ton of the growth. And what's kind of like part two of that, which is really interesting, is that Olipop as a, as a brand only makes up around 3% of total dollar sales in digestive health, but it's contributed to over about 30% of the total dollars added to the set. So although we're only making up 3%, we're, we're making up 30% of dollars added to the category, um, which is, you know, pretty impressive because g- given our, our current footprint.
0: Wow. That's so, that's so interesting. I love that you always hit me with, with like <laughs> big chunky pieces of data. Um, but that's amazing and that's exactly what you want i'm sure as an as a well no that's definitely what you want as a business that's kind of creating this new category um and borrowing from other um from you know pre-existing pre-existing categories so that's that's really cool
1: yeah um but you know some other things like with that you know we launched uh, nationally at target last time we were talking, it was, uh, we were in a test of about 170 stores and, in, in the Southwest. And we actually just launched nationally in January, uh, with four SKUs and about 1600 doors. And then, um, last month we actually launched at, at Publix, um, with seven SKUs. Um, what's really interesting about this Publix launch is that it was actually the dry grocery buyer who brought us in. Typically we're merchandised, mm-hmm. um, with kombuchas and other, you know, healthy um, alternatives or, or drinks. And this time around we're actually being merchandised in the front end coolers, of uh, the stores alongside soda. So I think it's a really good case study um, just of how we perform alongside, um, you know, soda, where typically, you know, we are a premium price, but when we're priced along kombuchas and things like that, um, the 249 price mark isn't as intimidating. It's yeah. going to be interesting, you know, where we're priced along soda. That's, you know, uh, around half of our price. Um, but I think it's also really awesome that Publix is doing this and it's really, you know, giving the consumer right in front of them the, the ability to make that switch from, you know, instead of a
0: an unhealthy beverage, you know, yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. It's something that is absolutely terrible for your health, um, and giving them the option to to grab an olive which is actually very beneficial for you.
0: Um, I've just realized that we've like launched into a lot of information about Olipop, but I didn't actually get you to go back and kind of explain Olipop. And I'm hopeful that a lot of people watched your first or listened to your first episode, but if they didn't, can you give us like a quick elevator pitch? Like what is Olipop? Um, What makes you guys unique?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's a soda that's actually good for you. So it's packed with plant fiber, prebiotics, botanicals, That fuels your microbiome and actually supports your digestive health. So it's really low in sugar. Um, It ranges from two to five grams of sugar um, per can. It's packed with nine grams of fiber. um, And it comes in about seven different flavors right now. Um so you know we're trying to label it as a new kind of soda that that is healthy for you and we're we're really trying to help you know reduce sugar um consumption and kind of bridge the the lack of fiber in American's diet and kind of deliver it in one convenient um package.
0: Love it. All right, switching gears slightly. So we've been referencing our your previous episode a lot and we talked a lot about that test you mentioned kind of going into retail, like really figuring out what your distribution strategy was going to be. And then when we connected about a month ago now, um, you mentioned this omni-channel strategy. Can you explain a little bit about what that means at Olipop and like why it's so core to, to what you're doing?
1: Yeah. Um, so omni-channel in my mind is is kind of, there's the core definition of omnichannel, which is like, you know, you're available in, in retail, you're available online, you're available, you know, in a lot of different outlets, right? That That's technically what omnichannel means. In my mindset, it's kind of being available and meeting the consumer where they want to shop in that given occasion, right? So, you know, a lot of us, if, if we don't feel like going to the grocery store and we want to do a curbside pickup, being available on that outlet. If it's more of an impulse buy and you are wanting to use GoPuff to make some you know, late night purchases or just you don't feel like leaving the house, you're available on that occasion as well. And so the omni-channel strategy for Alipop is really just trying to be available in as many different outlets as possible and, and you know, prioritizing all those different outlets in their own way but just being available to the consumer with whatever occasion they're shopping with at that, that given point.
0: I mean, this is gonna sound kind of naive because I don't work in this space, like I'm very much in B2B, but to me that seems obvious. Is there something unique about the way you're approaching Omnich? Like, is this what other brands are doing? Like, what's unique about this? Because I I know the when we chatted about a month ago, There was like an aha moment where I was like, oh, this is different than the way I'm sure a lot of other brands are approaching their distribution.
1: Yeah, so I think it's a couple of things. You know, first off, I think a lot of brands either start in retail and then try to build out their D2C platform or vice versa. You see a lot of brands who start in D2C just because it's such a low barrier to entry. Um, You know, if you think about it, Allbirds, Casper mattress, um, like Warby Parker, glasses and sunglasses—they were all, you know, D to C. Who have now started to build out retail stores, at least across the United States, right? So, so they kind of went full steam ahead in one strategy, and then was like, "Hey, you know what? Let's actually try to pivot and also build out retail." Um, or some brands who are, you know, just so heavily in retail, and then in the past couple of years have seen the the large growth and the dot com, and we're like, "Hey." You know we're going to throw resources and just try to grow some of this as well. Um, I think what was unique about um, about Ollie was that our early growth stage was really happening at the beginning of 2020. You know we weren't in a ton of retail. We were still trying to identify ourselves. We had a, a dot com business, but it was doing very minimal dollars. Um, and kudos to Stephen on our team. Um, he basically like at the beginning of the pandemic saw. You know, hey, we gotta shift some things around and solve opportunity very early on and basically help create our dot-com business um, out of out of nothing. And so I think that's why it's different for Olipop because it's really since our early growth stages, it's been a huge priority for both you know D2C and retail. And so we've kind of seen both of those channels grow pretty significantly over time. And so, you know they're both major priorities to us and have been since the beginning.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess the benefit as a marketer, I'm thinking like a huge benefit of operating in this way is likely brand awareness, like really building that brand, as you said, in the places that people, people shop, um, depending on the occasion. Are there any other benefits that you guys have, have seen um, specifically from taking this approach?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think there's there's a couple of things, but but first off, like, you know, in retail, you're very limited with the um, interaction you get with the consumer, right? They see you on shelf, you can have some type of POS or, you know, point of sale of like a shelf tag or something saying what it is, but it's very limited and they have to, you know, take it and, and try it. And then you don't really get any feedback, right? You can't control any outlets, their experience, Sometimes the can might be slightly dented on the shelf. There's this whole thing, right? Versus the dot-com business, you know, you can really control the whole experience from when they, you know, first see an ad or then go to your, you know, website, um, and then the interaction they have with your website to then, you know, buying the product and then giving feedback and any, like, we, you know, we could actually have the chance to interact with the customer, um, and I give a ton of credit to our CX team and on all the work they've done over last year on that. And then also um, shout out to Melanie, who does a lot of A-B testing on our website. You know, there are so many things that go into it of, of the design, the wording, and which which one works best, and how do customers actually, you know, purchase and their 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 behavior to purchase um, on our website that goes into it. So I think that's, you know, one of the benefits is we really get the understanding of. And feedback from the consumer on .com versus retail, it's, it's very limited.
0: Awesome, yeah, I can totally, I can totally imagine that. And like, we do the same thing when it comes to throwing up landing pages, trying to get people to book a demo for our tool Upside. Um, and I can only imagine how many different iterations. Like, if you guys are running a ton of advertising, I'm sure um, someone like Melanie is working pretty hard to to iterate. So. Um, that's always to here.
1: And I I think the other thing, and we can kind of dive into some more of this later is, um, we're in a unique opportunity to kind of partner with some of these other very early stage, you know, startups in the the dot-com business, um, who are looking for partners with trying to explore data, um, and things like that. So I think that's the other opportunity that, that it kind of presents us is that we're able to work with other, you know, startups and just really, you know, mutually benefit each other
0: the opportunity that be like running a direct to consumer channel that it's, that's what allows you to partner. Like, what is the, are you saying just like the brand is in a good place to be? able? Yeah. To, I, yeah.
1: I think just the total brand growth and yeah. um, rapid growth that we're seeing both in retail and, in the, you know, .com um, channels that when we reach out to someone who wants to partner, they're more willing to, because they see that, you know, we are this brand kind of taking all different outlets.
0: Right. I see. Okay. That makes sense. And then in terms of the, the people who are buying, whether it's like in-store or online, um, I know we kind of mentioned it's, it's harder to get feedback or to necessarily, it's a, it's a bit more of an opaque experience from an in-store perspective, but what kind of defines those consumers, if anything, or are there differences? Are they, you know, the exact same? I'd love to get your read on that.
1: Yeah. So, a couple things. So just broadly speaking, um, you know, we're, we're still trying to like, we're still in the, you know, process of discovery, trying to figure out, you know, how retail consumer impacts you to c and vice versa. Um, you know, it's not an easy project by any means. So we're still diving into it. Um, broadly speaking, not all pop consumer. Um, I mean, almost every shopper is a hybrid shopper, which means yeah. that they buy in retail. And then at some point throughout the year, they're also making a purchase online. Um, You know, a couple differences between the two is that basket size online is actually typically larger, um, but they do fewer trips online versus retail. There's more trips and it's actually smaller basket size. Um, So that's kind of one difference between the two. Um, But the other like, you know, kind of crazy thing is like how Omni everyone really is, is that. Three fourths of people who shop at Walmart or shop at Target or shop at Costco also purchase online at Amazon specifically. And so it's kind of crazy when you think about that. Three out of every four shoppers at those three retailers also buy online at Amazon. Okay. Um, and so yeah, but um, in terms of Olipop, some of the digging that we've done between you know trying to connect retail to D2C and kind of how retail is affecting um, our, our own dot com business. Um, thirteen percent. Or so our first order of non-subscription. So they they didn't just you know subscribe right away. They just bought a single case on our dot com business, right? Um, thirteen percent of those people actually found out about us through you know a retailer grocery store. Okay. Um, so they didn't see us online and advertising. So they didn't hear about us somewhere else. That they. Had seen us or tried us in a, in a grocery store, um, first order subscription. So their very first order, they decided to subscribe. That number actually jumps up to thirty-one percent. Um, wow! Which you know could mean a couple different things, but one of them is you know they saw us in the grocery store. They maybe this time they bought us and, and tried us and really liked it and knew exactly what flavor. And so they went to the .com because, and they wanted to subscribe just for the convenience of not having to, you know, buy multiple single cans or just getting the delivery to their door, or there's so many other reasons, but it's pretty interesting that 31% of first order uh, subscription heard about us from um, retail.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. I, it just makes me think about the way that I shop. Like I live across from a really nice grocery store, which I probably shouldn't shop at as much as I do because it's like wildly expensive in comparison to just going to like your local Safeway or like, uh, Loblaws in Canada. Um, but they have like these shelves of kind of premium beverages. And I always, or see I've just even done it. Like I, I associate those beverages as being very premium. Right. And so if I was served with ads for those, you know, to purchase like a, a bulk order of them online, I would immediately be willing to spend a bit more because I've associated them with like a specific type of grocery store. So it's really interesting to think about how that kind of connection that you make between where something is offered um, and the brand itself uh, can actually have a a huge input on, um, yeah, willingness to buy or the amount that you're willing to spend. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. OK, switching gears a little bit, we're going to dig into some more data stuff, given given your expertise there. So in a previous conversation, we'd kind of talked about how retail data is a bit of a mastered science. I'd love for you to explain kind of what you mean by mastered science, but also as like a follow up to that, what do you think isn't a mastered science when it comes to understanding how people shop right now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um... I say it's a mastered science because basically all data from retail, all syndicated competitive data comes from three different sources. Basically, you have Spins, you have Nielsen, and you have IRI. Um, out of those three, um, you know, it's been around for 20, 30 years at this point now. People have it all built out and know exactly how to look at it. Um, and organize it, I guess, is like the biggest thing of why I say it's a mastered science. It's the organization of the data. It's very easy. You get one extract a lot of times, uh, all the different retailers, all the different items, all the different brands. It comes nicely in this beautiful formatted raw data platform. Um, so anyone who's a data nerd out there knows what I mean by that. It's very easy to work with. Um, you know, I think the storytelling to retail data isn't a mastered science and that's like where you know the technique and knowledge really comes into play is a storytelling on that um and we actually have someone on our team now um laura who is really really good at that and so she's kind of taken over the retail storytelling for us and she's been doing a phenomenal job um what isn't a mastered science yet is all of the dot com um you know uh data when when I first got brought to the team, um, it was to kind of create some structure and reporting around retail data. Now, uh, we're starting to explore some of this .dot uh, com data, and it is it is crazy. There's just so many different outlets. Um, you know, you have like Shopify data. You have um, all these different apps that you with, use within Shopify. All of their data. You have all of these different partners right now, like you know, GoPuff or Instacart. Um, you know they all use different data exports as well. So they're, they're, there's nothing is synced basically together. Yeah. Um, the timing is all off. Um, everything kind of lives in its own silo. Um, and there's even like so much more like, like Amazon reporting, for instance, Amazon's very confidential about their reporting. So there's all these platforms out there that try to do the best and and, and use data that they kind of like scrub off their websites. Um, but there's still some type of confidence interval in terms of the accuracy of the data. But, you know, you can find Amazon data with Shopify data, and it just merges and everything's, you know, all perfect and sound. And so it's been a really good experience kind of, you know, over the last two to three months, learning about all the different outlets of data um, and and really trying to, you know, merge it together and, and put it into one platform so we can kind of look at our business as a whole. Um, and really understand to, to help kind of track some of our, our key objectives for this year. Um, because last year for the, for the dot-com and growth team, it was, um, you know, it was such high growth and everyone was just constantly moving. We didn't really have the goals in, but we had goals in place, but we didn't have the tools to necessarily track those goals. yeah um, And so that's kind of been this whole non-mastered science and there's really no brands out there that have mastered it. Um, so it's been fun to, you know, Explore this option with some of these other brands as well to have conversations, like people are open and willing to kind of have these conversations because we can just kind of learn from each other since no one has really done it. Um, and that's kind of what I was touching on earlier, too. What's what's unique about this, you know, opportunity is like with some of these data providers on the dot-com, we're you know creating really strong partnerships with them because they're using us as like you know,
0: like a pilot, like a a pilot. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
1: And so they want our feedback because they trust us because we've kind of, you know, built up that, um, you know, brand awareness and so that they trust us and our feedback. And so we've really been working with them on like, hey, can we kind of see this export this way? I think it actually help us. And then, you know, that way their reporting becomes more beneficial to their other um, partners as well.
0: Yeah, it's a huge, I can imagine it's a huge project. I mean, do you have any findings, not specifically about Olipop data, but like about how to work with the dot-com data and how to potentially compare it with retail data if you if you want to? Do you have anything that you'd be willing to share?
1: Um, at the moment, no, but if we do a <laughs> If we do a third podcast later on in the future together, um, maybe I'll be a little bit more willing to, to share some of those things openly.
0: <laughs> no problem. Um, yeah, I mean, especially given you're kind of creating the playbook for it, um, thought I'd ask, but understand that you can't share that. Okay, I've only got a couple more questions. Um, one is around, so we talked about a few different people that you work with on your team. I'd love to get a better sense your category and business insights manager. It sounds like you guys are working through tons of different data um, and across omnichannel. So across so many different, so many different channels, like what is, what is the business insights function, the category insights function look like? Um, and like what other sort of uh, insight or data inputs are, are you guys leveraging?
1: Yeah. Um, so It's been a wild ride. Um, You know, Business Insights a long time ago when I was first at Olipop is really just me, myself, and I. Um, Since then, you know, we added Laura to our team who's been really, you know, kind of managing and controlling the retail retail, uh, data side of things. Um, I'd say our Business Insights team now is around five people, Um, you know, kind of brought in some people around uh, from marketing as well. Um, Audrey, who's the growth marketing manager. She's um, brilliant. She says she's not a mathematician, but I think uh, at one point <laughs> she was. Um, she kind of controls all of the ads um, and functionalities and, and data from that, that mindset of things. Um, Michelle. Um, is our email and lifecycle manager? Um, so she has a whole set of data. It's, it's really interesting. I, I didn't wasn't even aware of this you know three months ago how much data um, we really get from SMS, email, and just kind of breaking down all these different customer groups uh, into different scenarios. Um, and so she's kind of been leading the charge on that aspect. And so it's been great kind of connecting the three pieces um, between yeah. my knowledge, Audrey's knowledge, and Michelle's knowledge. Um, and then Leah um on our team um is the uh like basically been kind of taking lead on the consumer insights as well um it was something that kind of just fell and like you know there wasn't really a, a true lead on it and she just you know really really enjoyed it and i was just kind of taking it up she's the trade marketing manager and it's like not really specifically her role um but it was something that she had the opportunity to do and she seized it and has been doing a great job and so um It's been very interesting to just see all of the different, you know, parts of our team kind of come together um, to really form the business insights team. The only real new hire added to the team was Laura. Everyone else was kind of existing in their own silo. And we wanted to really, you know, have the different pieces of data on our team talking together um, and really, you know, starting to answer like large questions to, um, to our business, like it's simple questions too. Like why, why did we have such high growth? Right? Like, wow, we grew uh-huh. 300% in the last year. That's awesome. But really like, what are the details to it? It's not just retail distribution. There's this whole other side of the com world of it as well. Um,
0: that's so cool. And what's next for Olipop
1: Um, Yeah, so I can't, you know, say too, too much um, what's on the horizon, but, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of exciting stuff happening this summer. I think there's going to be some, um, you know, pretty big news coming out shortly, Um, but I think by the time that this podcast airs, and hopefully I'm right on that, uh, we're (laughs) going to be launching Tropical Punch. It's a pineapple and passion fruit, so it's not a red tropical punch as a lot of people think of. It's actually yellow, um, but it is absolutely delicious. Um, that will be available online and in some major retailers very soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, a lot of big things coming in the next year for Ollipop.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Ed. Where can people find you?
1: Um, yeah, so, um, they can find Ollipop on, uh, I actually have my own promo code now, which I'm very excited about. So it it is, It is Ed20. So E-D-T-W-E-N-T-Y. The 20 is spelled out and you can get 20% off an order. Um, And then you can find myself just at um, Ed Collison on on LinkedIn or Instagram if you want to reach out.
0: Amazing. Um, And just for our Canadian listeners, is that exclusively U.S. or um, can we get Ollipop in Canada right now?
1: Yes. Unfortunately it is just for the U S. Um, hopefully, hopefully sooner than later, um, you know, we'll be in Canada.
0: Awesome. I just didn't want anyone to be devastated when they got to check out. (laughs) Thanks so much, Ed. I will talk to you soon.
1: Thanks, Megan. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for tuning in this week. Find us on LinkedIn at dig insights, and don't forget to hit subscribe for a weekly dose of fresh content.